Chapter Twenty Nine of Beverly of Graustark. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Beverly of Graustark by George Bar McCutcheon. Chapter Twenty Nine: The Capture of Gabriel. Ravone was handsome in his borrowed clothes. He was now the clean, immaculate gentleman instead of the wretched vagabond of the hills. Even Beverly was surprised at the change in him. His erstwhile sad and melancholy face was flushed and bright with happiness. The kiss he bestowed upon the delighted Candace was tender in the extreme. Then, putting her aside, he strove over and gallantly kissed the hand of Graustark's princess, beaming an ecstatic smile upon the merry Beverly an instant later. "'Welcome, Prince Danton,' said Yetive. A thousand times welcome. All Graustuck is your throne, most glorious Yetive. That is why I have asked to be presented here, and not in the royal hall below, said Ravone. You will wait here with us, then, to hear the good news from our warden, said the princess. Send the courier to me, she commanded. Such sweet news should be received in the place which is dearest to me in all Graustuck. The ministers and the lords and ladies of the castle were assembled in the room when Baron Dangloss appeared with the courier from the prison. Count Marlanx was missing. He was on his way to the fortress, a crushed, furious, impotent old man. In his quarters he was to sit and wait for the blow that he knew could not be averted. In fear and despair, hiding his pain and his shame, he was racking his brain for means to lessen the force of that blow. He could withdraw the charges against Baldos, but he could not soften the words he had said and written of Beverly Cahoon. He was not troubling himself with fear because of the adventures in his chapel and passage. He knew too well how Yetive could punish when her heart was bitter against an evildoer. Graustuck honoured and protected its women. The warden of the dungeons from which Gabriel had escaped months before reported to the princess that the prisoner was again in custody. Briefly he related that a party of men, led by Prince Dantan, had appeared early that day, bringing the fugitive prince, uninjured, but crazed by rage and disappointment. They had tricked him into following them through the hills, intent upon slaying his brother Dantan. There could be no mistake about Gabriel's identity. In conclusion, the warden implored her highness to send troops up to guard the prison in the mountainside. He feared an attack in force by Gabriel's army. "'Your highness,' said Lorry, "'I have sent instructions to Colonel Braze, requiring him to take a large force of men into the pass to guard the prison. Gabriel shall not escape again, though all Dawsbergen comes after him.' "'You have but little to fear from Dawsbergen,' said Ravone, who was seated near the princess, Candice at his side. "'Messages have been brought to me from the leading nobles of Dawsbergen, assuring me that the populace is secretly eager for the old reign to be resumed. Only the desperate fear of Gabriel and a few of his bloody but loyal advisers holds them in check. Believe me, Dawsbergen's efforts to release Gabriel will be perfunctory and half-hearted in the extreme. He ruled like a madman. 
It was his intense, implacable desire to kill his brother that led to his undoing. Will it be strange, Your Highness, if Dawsbergen welcomes the return of Dantan in his stead? The story, the story of his capture, tell us the story, came eagerly from those assembled. Ravone leaned back languidly, his face tired and drawn once more, as if the mere recalling of the hardships past was hard to bear. First, Your Highness, may I advise you and your cabinet to send another ultimatum to the people of Dawsbergen, he asked. This time say to them that you hold two Dawsbergen princes in your hand. One cannot and will not be restored to them. The other will be released on demand. Let the embassy be directed to meet the Duke of Metz, the Premier. He is now with the army, not far from your frontier. May it please your Highness, I have myself taken the liberty of dispatching three trusted followers with the news of Gabriel's capture. The two Bappos and Carl Vandos are now speeding to the frontier. Your embassy will find the Duke of Matz in possession of all the facts. The Duke of Matz, I am reliably informed, some day is to be the father-in-law of Dawsbergen, smilingly said Yetive. I shall not wonder if he responds most favourably to an ultimatum. Ravone and Candice exchanged glances of amusement, the latter breaking into a deplorable little gurgle of laughter. I beg to inform you that the Duke's daughter has disdained the offers from the Crown, said Ravone. She has married Lieutenant Alsonol of the Royal Artillery, and is happy as a butterfly. Captain Baldish could have told you how the wayward young woman defied her father and laughed at the beggar prince. Captain Baldus is an exceedingly discreet person, Beverly volunteered. He has told no tales out of school. I am reminded of the fact that you gave your purse into my keeping one memorable day, the day when we parted from our best of friends at Ganlock's Gates. I thought you were a princess, and you did not know that I understood English. That was a sore hour for us. Baldus was our life, the heart of our enterprise. Gabriel hates him as he hates his own brother. Steadfastly has Baldos refused to join us in the plot to seize Prince Gabriel. He once took an oath to kill him on sight, and I was so opposed to this that he had to be left out of the final adventures. Please tell us how you succeeded in capturing that your half-brother, cried Beverly, forgetting that it was another's place to make that request. The audience drew near, eagerly attentive. At another time I shall rejoice in telling the story in detail. For the present, let me ask you to be satisfied with the statement that we tricked him by means of letters into the insane hope that he could capture and slay his half-brother. Captain Baldos suggested the plan. Had he been arrested yesterday, I feel it would have failed. Gabriel was and is insane. We led him a chase through the Grastock Hills until the time was ripe for the final act. His small band of followers fled at our sudden attack, and he was taken almost without a struggle, not ten miles from the city of Idleweiss. In his mad ravings we learnt that his chief desire was to kill his brother and sister, and after that to carry out the plan that has long been in his mind. He was coming to Edelweiss for the sole purpose of entering the castle by the underground passage, with murder in his heart. 
Gabriel was coming to kill Princess Yetive and Mr. Lorry. He has never forgotten the love he bore for the princess, nor the hatred he owns his rival. It was the duty of Captain Baldos to see that he did not enter the passage in the event that he eluded us in the hills. Later in the day, the Princess Yetif received from the gaunt, hawkish old man in the fortress a signed statement, withdrawing his charges against Baldos the guard. Marlinx did not ask for leniency. It was not in him to plead. If the humble withdrawal of charges against Baldos could mitigate the punishment he knew Yetif would impose, all well and good. If it went for naught, he was prepared for the worst. Down there in his quarters, with wine before him, he sat and waited for the end. He knew that there was but one faith for a man, great or small, who attacked a woman in Graustark. His only hope was that the princess might make an exception in the case of one who had been the head of the army, but the hope was too small to cherish. Baldos walked forth a free man, the plaudits of the people in his ears. Baron Dangloss and Colonel Quinnox were beside the tall guard as he came forward to receive the commendations and apologies of Graustack's ruler and the warm promises of reward from the man he served. He knelt before the two rulers who were holding court on the veranda. The cheers of the nobles, the shouts of the soldiery, the exclamation of the ladies did not turn his confident head. He was the born knight. The look of triumph that he bestowed upon Beverly Cahoon, who lounged gracefully beside the stone balustrade, brought the red flying to her cheeks. He took something from his breast and held it gallantly to his lips before all the assembled courtiers. Beverly knew that it was a faded rose. End of chapter 29